Welcome to The Loaded Goat. I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. Today we're excited. We have Elton back with us. Elton Hayes, sports writer covering the Penn State beat. How you doing, Elton? I'm, I'm doing well this fine uh, Saturday morning, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I yeah, can tell, so, and I'll test yeah, it all. I can see a bushy tail there. I can. He's not lying. <laughs> he Never seen no such bright eyes. Is that a twinkle? <laughs> he's he, he's a, Elton's always Elton's always got bright eyes. He's always he's always got a positive attitude. So, I'm, I'm drinking uh, this is a good cup of coffee here from this mug that Aaron already teased me about this morning. But um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know you got the cherry blossoms on top, but you don't see DC on the bottom, so it looks like he's just drinking out of the most flowery mug you can um you can imagine. So how are things going, Elton? Going well. Going well. Um, the uh, Penn State Blue and White spring game is next Saturday, which will uh, signal the end of the um, the spring football season. And from there, you know, I'm um, looking forward to the summer, getting married in July. Ooh, congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. Um, so it's kind of a, a mad a mad dash to the finish. We I've should do an great. episode from his wedding, Aaron. Uh, you know, let's let's spend the day. Let's, let's spend that day focusing on Elton. And I've already congratulated Elton, so I've known about this for a while. But yes, it's awesome. When's the big day again? July twenty third. Great, awesome. I've got that marked on my calendar. Um, so, so I was going to ask you, how are things looking for the draft this year? Any 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 lines looking to go high? Yeah, so a couple of them. Um, uh, wide receiver Jahan Dotson, who was just all everything for Penn State the past couple of years, is projected to go. I believe Mel Kuyper has not going in the first round in the uh, latest projection I saw. But who is Mel? Who is who? The heck is Mel Kuyper? I'm just kidding. I'm doing that whole takeoff on the Colts general manager losing at that time about Mel Kuyper. Yeah. So, so they've got him pegged to go in the first round, and a um. Defensive end Arnold Ebikiti, who transferred from Temple last offseason, is actually um, from, I believe, Rockville, Rockville, Maryland. So okay. uh, a uh, DMV area guy. He he came in for one season last year as a transfer and just really lit the world on fire. And he's projected to go in the first round. So they'll have a couple of first round guys, maybe one or two going the second round, but a really good um, looking class for him coming up here. It's actually, the end, but next week, two weeks from now, the draft. Yeah, it's so. not long. You know, there's that Bill Burbitt on the draft of people watching it. And he said, why would you watch the draft? It's like watching a high school graduate. It's like going to a graduation, wondering who's going to go next. He goes, they list all the picks the next day in the paper. But, <laughs> That's actually a good point. It, but, it yeah, really is. But it, it really made is. me think if Andy, if there was the NFL draft were going on and Andy and Barney were watching it, it would be Barney. <laughs> Barney would be fully invested in the draft. He'd be like, Andy, Andy, the Jets are up next. They need a quarterback. And uh, and I had to bar Andy be sitting there reading the paper because Barney, this is all going to be in the paper the next day. <laughs> I mean, I can totally see that. What you know what would be an interesting read would be a Barney Fife um his projections for a draft. Out of love oh, yeah. those back. His little tidbits of information and then how flustered and excited he would get. I like oh. that, but I also like I uh, Aaron comparing Andy Griffith to Bill Burr and saying that they have the same type of humor. <laughs> I don't think they have the same type of humor, but I do think I do think Andy Griffith and Bill Burr do have the same outlook on the NFL draft. <laughs> I, I do think that. All right. So today, Opie causes on this episode we're reviewing Opie causes Andy to smoke not one, but two cigarettes in the in the episode. We're reviewing Opie's rival. And I would say it looks like Opie smoking cigarettes, too. 
at some oh, point think, along. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring that up, but I, I had children watch, children listen. All right, good to know. This episode first aired on December 3rd, 1962. A little fun fact, it was actually the first episode shot in the rotation um, of the season, but they held it uh, They held it until the 10th episode of the season. How come? So maybe just where they thought it was a good fit there. I mean, they always do Opie-centric episodes, but I'm trying to remember what we started off with. Well, they with probably the hadn't done season. Andy's Rich Girlfriend yet. They hadn't done Andy's Rich Girlfriend yet. Yeah, I mean, this was a, yeah, this was a natural progression with Peggy, but this was an episode where Opie is really acting out all until the very end. But that all being said, Opie's seven, and he's really trying to meddle and getting upset because his dad is seeing um, seeing another another person another woman. I have met people in their forties and fifties who haven't rolled with it that well either when their um, when their parents start dating again. So seven year old Opie a little bit of slack. <laughs> yeah, you know, know how traumatic that must have been. I think he's losing his world. So yeah, uh, yeah, I can, I, can, I can give Opie a little bit of a break there. <laughs> So we open with Opie catching a huge fish, and Andy tells him he is one of the best young fishermen. He says he would impress Isaac Walton, who wrote the book on fishing. Now, you would have thought this was just silliness, but in fact, in 1653, a man named Isaac Walton did publish The Complete Angler, which is a landmark book about fishing. And there is a, in Glacier National Park, there's an Isaac Walton Inn, which maybe oh. it's the same one. It's a place is to it, enter on the it's a place to stay if you're coming in through the east side. Is it spelled with I-Z-A-A-K? It is indeed. Oh wow, okay. Well, there you go. So we've just, you know, back in the 60s, that, that generation, they respected their their writers about fishing. Those names have been lost in the 60 years since the Andy Griffith show. Well, I mean, everybody was doing all that all those all those crazy hippie drugs in the 60s and then they forgot from there that things got real funky in the 70s you can't expect people to remember after that yeah i mean just another thing we can blame on the baby boomers <laughs> <laughs> so so um so lp and andy are carrying on about how great each other are as fishermen and then andy points out that opie's like jonah and and uh, and you know, Opie's like, wait a minute, Jonah got swallowed by the whale. And and Andy makes a point is when you catch a fish from the inside, that's the best kind of fishing there is. But I, if I remember the story of Jonah, he gets just re- he gets thrown back up and lands back on the shore, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it wasn't completely a, I guess it was a catch and release from the whale's perspective. Yeah. Which is sustainable. So good for the whale. Yeah, the um, good for the whale, good for the whale. But on land, they have fried fish, and Andy is having a fried the fish, and Andy is having a smoke. Opie says they should be blood brothers, but instead of cutting their wrists, Andy's like, "No, no, we're not going to do that." But he rubs her ash on their wrists, and they make a pact. But it's Elton, also fun. Oh, go ahead, you go. Sorry, no, please. This just made me think of when. I don't know. We were always told because that was something people would do. They wouldn't cut their wrist because that's bad, but people would sometimes prick their finger. Yeah. And, and But we were told never. To, I don't know if you were told this. I was told never do this because of AIDS. And um, you know, I, I was told that too. <laughs> yeah. I, I was told the same thing, but for religious reasons, sorcery. <laughs> uh, 
You know, you grow up in an independent, independent fundamental Baptist um, household, and yeah, they, they stay away from any type of rituals or anything like that. So, but oh yeah, I was told the same thing for different reasons, though. Yeah. I just think it's so fun, like for for like Aaron's and my excuse, right? Like you've got these kids that are trying to do something cute, and they're like, "No AIDS." And you're like, "We haven't even gotten there yet, and what that disease is." And so that's terrifying. Yeah, it's um, kind of dating dating ourselves here, but it's like the whole with the phone booths, you know, how the um the the uh, phone machine would have the coin return and they'd be like do not put your finger in there because you might get stuck by a needle oh yeah i i always put my finger in there and to look for change it's one of the few things i remember my grandfather telling me i made like five bucks over the course of my life checking for loose yeah. change he also got aids because <laughs> <laughs> he got because he got his finger break <laughs> oh man the most the, expensive five dollars ever yeah. the other thing that they should have brought up though is i mean they are blood brothers they're like their family. Their family. And he could have he could have circumvented all that by just saying that. But uh I guess he wanted to appease the uh the young Opie Taylor and went through the emotions. But that is a good point, Chris. They are, I mean, they are literally both brothers. The, the one other thing I was thinking about related to the cigarette comment at the beginning, Andy throws a cigarette butt into the fire pit that they're cooking the the fish under, which is kind of gross. And then I wondered if he used his little <laughs> cigarette ash to to become blood brothers. I thought they used the fish hash. Okay. Yeah. So back in town, the squad car pulls up and Andy and Opie wave to Peggy, who is excited to see them. And then Andy invites Peggy to go fishing with them. She accepts and Opie is not happy. (laughs) His future flashed before his eyes at that moment. His dad was all of a sudden going to marry Peggy and send him to boarding school or send him to live with some relatives. I mean, don't get me wrong. Seven-year-olds, you never can tell what's going through their head. But what is so funny is he's got this irrational feeling, but he is so Machiavellian in how he manages the rest of the uh, the rest of the episode. Love it. Yeah. So we cut to them all on the lake. Andy starts rocking the boat to scare Peggy. He gives her the worms and she's grossed out. Both Peggy and Opie get a bite at the same time. And Andy's way more into Peggy's much smaller fish than Opie's. Opie's caught a huge fish, but he's just dejected and tosses it back. I love that he tossed After it back. Opie at that point, you know, yeah. it, was, it was kind of sad to watch. Are they in the reservoir? That's the L.A. one. The I LA assume water that's supply? where they are. I yeah. assume that's where they are. Yeah. Because they, he wouldn't have been able to actually dump the fish back, right? Did we actually see the fish go in the water? Because they can't actually put anything. No, because I think well, because I bet I'll bet they're not even in the water. I'll bet that was like a set. A, 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 like they're probably on a set, set when they're doing that because you don't even see them on the water. It's a close up of them in the boat. He's probably dropping it on the ground. Yeah. All right, so we're so this. I'll tell you what. How this episode really reminded me of, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Rocky Five. And uh, the reason it reminded me of Rocky Five, I have seen Rocky Five a few times. Elton, you've seen Rocky Five? I have not. I've only seen Creed Two, but I think they're pretty similar. Okay, so in Rocky Five, he's just beaten the Russian. He's beaten Ivan Drago. He ends up, but he basically ends up with brain damage, and he's broke, and he's trying to raise his kids back in back in the old neighborhood in Philly, and. All of a sudden, he's supposed to be parenting his son, but this new guy comes along, Tommy Gunn, who's going to he's going to turn into the heavyweight champion. 
and he just keeps neglecting his son over and over and over. And so it's so it's like he'll come in and he'll be like, Dad, I had a great day. And um, all of a sudden, Tommy Gunn will need something. He's like, son, hold on just a second. I've got to I've got to work with Tommy. And um, <laughs> and, and things do kind of come to a head. And Rocky, Rocky finds his way. Um, this is really more this was really just more of a myth. Rocky really neglects his son in that movie. But in this, this was just more of a misunderstanding between Opie and Andy. I think that's the kid's life too. I mean, catching the, you know, what I was saying, one of his first fish, one of that size and only kind of be overlooked by your, uh, by your father who's smitten with this, uh, this other young woman. Yeah. 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 I, uh, all right. Well, we better move on before we all start going down rabbit holes about feeling <laughs> neglected by our fathers. Um, at, at dinner, Opius pouting and not eating his dinner. Andy comes in dressed in a suit for a date. Um, Opie runs into the living room and plays sick. Andy's worried that it's his appendix, um, which, you know. Do you think that was like a budding disease or ailment at the time and they wanted to do like a little PSA? I mean, I think back then appendicitis, now you basically, if you get appendicitis, they can come in and they'll just make a little slit in your, and, and, and remove it. If you got, if you had appendicitis back then, they basically, it was major invasive surgery. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Aunt B tells Andy to go on his date, but then Opie plays six some more. I mean, just all this. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, really he it it up. thick at that point. He's yeah. lucky he didn't get taken to the emergency room when all things being all things being said said and done. And Andy decides to cancel with Peggy, and Opie is feeling proud of himself as we go to commercial. Have you ever faked being sick? When I didn't want to go to church when I was younger. I don't. Well, usually backfired because then it was like, well, you're going to stay in your room all day. So uh, <laughs> that, that didn't work out too well. <laughs> I don't think I have it all, but maybe I will this next week at work. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have, I think to get out of doing something, I have sometimes said that someone was in my household was sick. Um, but I have never, I always felt like watching, and that, this was another thing of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where I remember watching that as a kid, and he was kind of like, here are the things you got to do to basically fake being sick. And I was like, this just sounds like one one false move, and you're going to find yourself going to the doctor, or you're going to find yourself doing something you don't want to have yeah, to do. I'm not going to lick my palms. That's disgusting. No, that is disgusting. <laughs> Risky business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So a after the great break, Opie is manning the phone at the jail. Let's hope there's not a major crisis going on. <laughs> what do you say, uh, Andy Taylor, son? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's funny. I mean, that's not funny. This is not funny at all. My um, great, great grandfather was a sheriff in a town in Texas. Mm -hmm. And basically there was a bank robbery and my um they called the house of and my great grandmother answered the phone and whether what was actually conveyed is not is not clear but it was clear it wasn't it wasn't clear that it was conveyed that it was a robbery so my um grandmother or great grandmother told her father that there was trouble at the bank he goes to the bank he's not expecting an all in out shootout they shoot him. He shoots one of the bank robbers. They get the other one. But I mean, it ended up, he ended up dying. And that was one of those things where you were kind of like, um, 
I mean, it was yeah, obviously it was, a, a major moment. I mean, obviously a seminal moment, huge yeah. moment, like that altered altered everything. But it was one of those things about, you know, was there playing? Um, you know, and it was always the question was was what like with the siblings was what was the actual message that was given, and that was yeah. So, but it was one of those things where it was like small town. You don't really, you know, how message how how things are being conveyed, and so yeah. I like that it was a. Sorry, that's a that's a wild story. But I also yeah, feel yeah, bad so. for the great grandmother whose siblings were like, "What did they really tell you?" So my grandmother Dot Hatfield um, is a writer, and she's uh, is she a Hatfield? She's not a Hatfield of the Hatfields and the McCoys. She was originally an Alderson, and then she uh, but then she married a man um, from Texas whose uh, name last name was Hatfield. But he's not related to the Hatfields and the of the Hatfields and the McCoys. But she wrote a book about the whole incident called "An Ordinary Day," and it's um, and it's it tells the story of the day. But yes, that was a, that was something that I would say was a tough thing because it kept getting brought up, and so it's just with my with, with the siblings and my great grandmother, and so it was one of those things where it really was like, and um, you know, just you're like. Let's, we we have to move on, but it kept just being brought up over the years. But this is that book, on Amazon? Yeah, it's called An Ordinary Day. Okay, it's on Amazon. It's but it's it's by my um, grandmother Dot Hatfield H H T F I E L D. Okay, I'm going to purchase it. I'm not going to purchase it. Can you just give it to me? <laughs> <laughs> I can. Um, I can, I can, next time I see you, Christopher, if you, you know, you'll see you me on Sunday. You'll see me I'm tomorrow. Not gonna, I'm not going to see you tomorrow. That's true. You told me you were too busy. <laughs> <laughs> that is all correct. So, so basically after oh, oh, Opie's manning the phone, Peggy comes in and asks Opie if he's feeling better. Now, this is kind of where I'm kind of like, Opie, if you can play 3D chess like this, can you not figure out and see the big picture that you're not going to get sent to boarding school? But um, Opie lies and says he was never sick. And so Peggy gives some uh, Opie some instructions on how Andy should meet her at the drugstore instead of picking her up at home. But wait, so this is I just wanted to confirm I, I saw this right. He knew that he faked sick last night. And that's why his dad canceled the date. And then he said that he wasn't sick so that she would get mad at Andy. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Yeah. I mean, this is some. Yeah, it was pretty diabolical. I mean, <laughs> seven-year-old Opie Taylor, diabolical genius. <laughs> I mean, that's really what we're dealing with here. So, um, Andy, and Andy. Um, so basically, Opie takes the instructions, tosses tosses them in the trash. Um, we cut to. Peggy oh, but he does it in so, such a cute way. He's got his feet up, and then he moves them across, and then he slowly gets it in. That's a great yeah, scene. Yeah, it's kind of like the bad seed. She's so cute when she's um just um, right as she's you know causing all these deaths. Yeah. So we we um so we cut to both of them being in the wrong place, looking confused. Peggy's in front of the drugstore. Um, Andy is in front of Peggy's house. Cell phones. He, yeah, well, they just need cell phones. I mean, this this is this Opie would have Opie would have really had to up his game in today. I mean, he wouldn't have been able to pull it's off funny some you of this stuff. That. I was thinking if, if they just had cell phones back then, it could have, all this could have been prevented. Yeah, unless, unless Opie would have you know gotten Andy's phone, but it would have made life a lot easier. How long yeah. was that? so? How long would have been customary to wait? 
Well, this is this is the funny thing. So it looks like Peggy waits outside for like five hours. I mean, she seems to be out there for a long, long time. I mean, but that's just me. I would have figured 30 minutes. Yeah, I think 30 minutes. is appropriate. I mean, yeah. There is that Seinfeld. There's a Seinfeld where Jerry and Elaine are standing waiting for George. And they told him to meet in 10 minutes. They wait five minutes and then recognize that they're leaving early and then they leave without him. And then George comes right as the end and has to wait. That is right. I watched that episode the other day. That is just so funny. I mean, they are, there was, there was, that was, they were, it really is. They were like the worst set of friends to each other. (laughs) So Aunt B gets a call from Peggy and Aunt B tells her that Andy should be on his way. She then leaves to take dinner over to a friend, leaving Opie to, alone to cause more mayhem. And um, back at Peggy's, Andy is smoking and then goes back to the jail and calls Opie, who never mentions Peggy. He hangs up, and it's clear that at this moment that Opie is not a sociopath. He is feeling pretty bad about what he's what he's done. And back at the drugstore, Peggy has been standing there for what appears to be several hours. Um, she starts to leave and is splashed by a car hitting a mud puddle. Like a big, like a mud pot. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing of it is, is like, I, I mean, Mayberry is a small town. And so it's like, I mean, I'd be like, that's, I'd get that. I would be like, you, I know this guy. He splashed Mr. Johnson, me with, you know? Mr. Johnson splashed me with a, a mud puddle. <laughs> but it's just like adds insult to injury, you know. She's oh. already out there waiting, failing in the wind, only to be splashed by that mud puddle. We gotta put a cap on it. Yeah, yeah. And so Andy gets home. Opie runs up the stairs to fake being asleep. Aunt B shows up and tells him that Peggy was at the drugstore. Andy is really confused. He walks out and Peggy pulls up and chews Andy out for what it seems like is breaking two dates. Opie overhears and realizes what he's done. And he comes out to a confused Andy on the porch. He he tells her what's happened. He comes clean. And he tells Andy he's just scared about being left out and that Andy won't want him anymore. This this was sweet. All the sweet stuff happens on the front porch. Yeah. And so Andy tells him he loves him more than anything in the world and explains that he may one day get, get married, but that'll never change their relationship. But he needs a good friend and a good companion. And he goes, you got Barney. And he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, I can't take Barney to a dance. He's too short. And uh, which is, which is, which is fair. I mean, you know, I got a good laugh out of that line. Yeah. And so they make a date to go fishing the next day and or decide to go fishing the next day. The next morning, Andy is on the phone trying to teach to reach Peggy. She won't, she's not there. Opie's already left. And Andy walks out to go to Peggy's house and he sees her walking up with Opie. And like best of friends. Yep, they're gonna go fishing, and she sticks her hand out and her wrist has ash on it, and she says, Blood brother, and we go to commercial. So cute. Yeah. Um, in the epilogue, they are singing Cindy, and when they stop, Opie starts telling Peggy about how her father needs female companionship and all of this, and Andy starts singing again about how Opie needs to shut his mouth, and Peggy is laughing as we go to commercial. It's so good. Yeah. This, that, was, that was a good ending. That was a good ending. Yeah. This, and episode, this is, episode escalated. It had a nice crescendo of, of humor. Yeah. 
Well, we say goodbye to Joanna Moore, who played Peggy. She this is her last appearance as Peggy. Oh, really? I thought she'd yeah. be around longer. She's she I just thought she was great, and she only lasted this this handful of episodes. So yeah. I was reading about her and um I was reading on some I shared this website I was on, but it was saying that the I guess the producers thought she was too glamorous for Mayberry. So yeah. that's like that's one of the things that I, I read. And she may have been, I mean, ultimately the person they come up with, the ultimately the person they go with, Helen, is like a nice blend of outside of, of outside perspective, but very can fits right in in Mayberry too. And so maybe that's the maybe that was that in some once they found Hell Anita Corso later in this third season, who plays Helen Crump. Um sometimes who who's who sometimes crosses over into being Helen Frump. Um, she ends up, um, she, you know, they, that's who they, that's who they went with. Do they, do they make, is that a joke you made about her being Ellen Frump, like Frumpy? Yeah. I okay. made that up. Yeah, I like I that. That was a good joke. I just want to make sure we gave it, gave it space. Yeah. And no, I appreciate that. Um, so how many whistles would y'all, would y'all give this? I'd give it a nine. I'd say eight. I'm gonna go with seven. Oh wow! Right, there we go. It's like in the same for the same range. So it's on the range of the, uh, of the whistle scale. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's these episodes where people are doing things and and causing mischief, which is what everybody does on the on the show anyway. But for some reason, it's tough for me to watch Opie do this. Oh, I yeah. love it. <laughs> I love it. Why do you add a well, character for him? You know. What's your, I like your, I like the nasty it, stuff. I think it's fun. It's so funny. Is is your favorite movie Village of the Damned? <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I bet it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kids just causing kid, demonic children causing mayhem. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> All right, any final thoughts? No, always happy to see Elton here. Always happy I'm to see always Elton happy to be here. I, I, I appreciate you guys having me on when you do. If our guests or our listeners want to send Elton a wedding gift, should they send it to your house, Aaron? Um, I think I think we. I, I I feel like we. You know, our we for our listeners just listening is gift enough. Um, I, I we appreciate we appreciate this appreciation, just their attention, just their attention, just their attention. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Thank you. Sure. No. And um, yeah. So, well, this was fun. Uh, thanks for listening. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think about it, subscribe. Next week, we are really excited. Uh, Jack Dodson's daughters will be joining us. Um, Jack Dodson played Howard Sprague on the uh, color episodes of the of the series and will be sharing their experience. Uh, his daughters will be discussing their experiences uh, with their father, but also with the uh, cast in the Andy Griffith show and just some other great, fascinating tidbits about their lives growing up, growing up in Hollywood. So until then, Christopher and Elton, I can't go to the dance with you. I'm too short. Oh, there's always platforms. <laughs> <laughs>